Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, landing a new job is often a challenge, but is it getting harder to get hired? I interviewed with a publication where two times during the phone interview, he made a comment about my age. You're so young to have been promoted this high, or you know, you're just really young to lead a staff. The amount of pre-work that I was doing for, I would say, most of these jobs was anywhere from six to ten hours of pre-work. Typically, if they're giving you a project or a proposal to work on, you know, they're hoping that you get it right and that they can hire you. I think sometimes candidates are thinking that companies want to rule them out. Coming up the changing landscape of job interviews. But first, how much do you think about marketing yourself? Do you squirm at the mere thought? The thing is, every decision about you and your opportunities is made in a room you're not in, which begs the question, can you do anything about the conversation in that room? Joanna Bloor believes you can. And it starts with knowing how to talk about who you are and why you're important. Joanna is on a mission to get us to talk about ourselves in a new way. Uncover your unique value, then learn how to share it with others, so that in that room, they're telling your story and articulating your value the way you want. Organizations including Microsoft, EY, 21st Century Fox and Cartier have brought Joanna in to talk to employees from entry level to executive with remarkable results. Go to joannablaw.com and check out her services page to find out more. That's J-O-A-N-N-A-B-L-O-O-R.com. Reference the broad experience and receive 10% off a workshop or individual coaching. I don't have great memories of many of my job interviews, but they were at least relatively straightforward. Submit a resume, a cover letter, have a phone interview, then an in-person interview. But the whole hiring process seems to be getting longer and more aggravating. When I asked about your interview experiences on Facebook a few months ago, I got tons of responses from the US, the UK and Australia, among others. You vented about being screened by software rather than humans, live interviewers who were digitally distracted throughout and companies that disappear into a black hole after meeting you. The job website Glassdoor has done some research into how hiring has changed. According to a 2015 study, it's not just our imaginations. The hiring process is more drawn out than it used to be. They looked at six countries, the US, Canada, France, Germany, Australia and the UK. 
In the US, the average number of days it takes to land a job almost doubled between 2010 and 2014. But hiring still takes longer overall in Europe than it does in the US or Canada. In this show, I talk to three guests about why and how the hiring process is more involved than it used to be. But can it be considered inhumane? My first guest thinks so. Rachel Shalom is a journalist, a digital editor now based in New York. She's worked at newspapers and digital-only publications, and she was laid off from one of those at the end of last year, along with a lot of other people. Most people who were laid off had to be out that day. I was actually told that I needed to work another four weeks, which in the beginning I thought was really kind, but it is really not kind to have someone train people to become you while you can become unemployed. In the end, she was glad to get out of there, and she was unemployed far longer than she thought she would be. Rachel wrote a searing piece about her job hunt and some of the practices she encountered during it. I read it this summer before I sat down with her. She sent out 71 applications. She had phone interviews at 22 organizations, six in-person interviews, and got one job offer. The whole thing took six months and two days. She called it a marathon of wait and see. When I was a hiring manager, I focused a lot on communication. If I told you I was going to get back to you by Tuesday, I would get back to you even if I said I needed more time. One of the things I noticed through this process was just the power that hiring managers have to influence small things in people's lives. So, you know, the time that you lose sleeping because someone didn't get back to you or the anxiety that you have wondering whether you should renew your lease or not. She spent her days poring over a spreadsheet she'd made of all her job interactions and, of course, applying and waiting to hear back. She found a lot of jobs posted through social media and Slack, but keeping up was exhausting. I felt the need to read every single tweet and every single posting just to make sure, you know, I was having a lot of anxiety. What if I missed the perfect opportunity because I wasn't following the right people or because I took an afternoon off and wasn't reading all of the post? It was something that I was doing incessantly because I saw so many postings that way. And sometimes she says social media was the only way the job was advertised. Someone would tweet, we have this job, ping me. So only that person's circle or followers would know about it. It wasn't posted publicly where the largest number of people would see it. Rachel says that's contrary to the journalism industry's stance that it wants more women and people of colour in its newsrooms. Journalism remains predominantly white and male. She says during several of her interviews, the interviewer emphasised her youth. She's 28. I interviewed with a publication where two times during the phone interview, he made a comment about my age. Um, he said multiple times, you're so young to have been promoted this high, or, you know, you're just really young to lead a staff. And there was so much emphasis on my age and my ambition that the things that I had done were not shining through. And there's been a lot written about this, that the biggest lie we tell young girls is that your work will speak for itself. And I certainly felt that way during the interviews. Meanwhile, she often didn't hear back from a company at all after submitting work they'd asked for prior to an interview. Things like proposals on how she'd run a team. Work that took her hours to complete each time. One hiring manager set up a call with her, didn't call at the appointed time, 
then never responded to her follow-up email. Someone else made Rachel give a salary range before she'd even tell her about what the job involved. She felt like she was on the back foot right from the start. The length of time it takes to get hired these days depends on a lot of factors. The industry you're in, private or public sector, the size of the company. If you work for government or academia, it is likely you will take a long time to be hired. Glassdoor's study says age and sex make no difference to the length of the hiring process. But it does point out the multiple levels of screening many organisations now require does add time. Everything from background checks to video interviews to presentations and proposals. Kristen Shattuck knows a lot about that. Last year, she, her husband and their two kids moved from North Carolina to Washington, D.C. for his job. Kristen's a former teacher and school principal, now an education consultant. She says the whole hiring dance had changed a lot since she was last on the market in 2011. The number of hoops she had to jump through had multiplied, starting with interview prep. The amount of pre-work that I was doing for, I would say, most of these jobs was anywhere from six to ten hours of pre-work. These were for interviews that I didn't even go sit for. They were phone interviews or Skype interviews, even though I was interviewing for jobs in the D.C. area. So I easily could have come in. So they were not necessarily face-to-face interviews. They were initial round interviews. And the work was quite extensive. I was a little surprised that in, in, in most instances, it was taking me up to a business day to complete the pre-work to what I felt was like high quality. You know, you want to put your best foot forward. So um, even though things would say like, oh, this shouldn't take you more than two hours, it, it's certainly the kinds of questions that I was being asked and the kinds of work I was being asked to do took well more than that. She was asked to write assessments, prepare proposals, watch videos and comment on them in writing. A couple of organisations even asked her to submit some work she was particularly proud of. She thought of this project she'd worked on in a former job, an education rubric, she calls it. It was designed to measure teacher effectiveness. It was a real team effort. And I was asked to produce it. And the first time I did... And then found out later that they were using it in the organization, even though I was not, I never received a call back. So this project she and her team had spent months working on, the ideas were now being used at the company where she'd interviewed and had never heard from again. How did you find out? Um, I had a colleague who worked with that organization. Aha. <laughs> the on-site colleague. Yes, exactly. The on-site colleague who let me know how happy everyone was with the... <laughs> With the uh, rubric. That was not the only indignity Kristen suffered on the job hunt. There was this one position she was really set on. She'd made good headway so far. She'd met the team of people she'd work with. She sent off thank you emails after those interviews and the team members emailed her back. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure to meet you and, you know, really enjoyed talking with you. You know, so, so happy to move you forward to meet with our partners. The partners rescheduled her interview a couple of times, but when she finally met with them... They greeted me with telling me how positively I was recommended by this team that I'd be working with. And I thought, oh, this is great. (laughs) I'm so happy because I had really connected with that group and I was really excited about this position. But she says as the interview went on, it became clear the two women hadn't even looked at her resume until now. So one person was on the computer 
on their laptop and the other person was asking me questions and she continued to ask me questions but was looking at her screen and then it became very clear that they were g-chatting each other which was confirmed when they turned this one of them turned the screen around to show me a picture of an old a school where I had worked at previously their g-chat was all up on the screen and it was you know and it was so the one person made no eye contact with me and the one person made very limited eye contact with me because she was checking her g-chat and it was very clear that from whatever was going on G-chat wise, the interview was not going well. (laughs) She was told she'd hear back the following week. She didn't. When she followed up, she heard the unsurprising news that she was not being offered the job. The hiring manager said they wanted someone who was more of a math expert, something Kristen says had never come up in any of her interviews. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Like Kristen, Rachel Shalom also had an experience where she came tantalizingly close to success. In fact, she was just one step away. I had flown out for an eight-hour interview at a newspaper, and it was kind of this two-day, very intense thing. I remember my face hurt from smiling for eight straight hours. And on the way back to the airport, the editor asked me when I wanted to start. And we kind of had talked a a little bit through that. And when I got home, he had said, I'll be in touch, you know, early next week. And, you know, time goes on, a couple of days go by, and I sent a follow-up email because I hadn't heard from him. And then he told me that they had decided that I wasn't the right culture fit. And culture fit is an extremely lazy answer when you don't want to actually deal with why someone bothers you. I wrote about that in my piece, but if you're uncomfortable because someone's a woman or a person of color or from a certain religion or maybe even has a political stance that's a little bit different, it's really easy to write it off as they don't fit in our culture, which is against everything as an industry we've been talking about in making our newsrooms more diverse. And so if you are just going to say you're not a good fit instead of giving anything concrete about why the skills aren't there or you're looking for something else or even anything constructive, it's a really lazy hiring answer. With regard to rejection notes, did you get them? To what, to what extent did you receive any kind of thanks but no thanks? I would say maybe a little under half the time I received uh, a note. Sometimes it would take months and months. Um, and so I, at that point, I had just assumed that I hadn't gotten it. Some I never, I never heard back from at all. Um, I, there was one rejection that I got from a woman who um, runs a nonprofit journalism organization. And it really stood out to me because she wrote me, it was like four paragraphs long. They ended up going with an internal hire and she explained why. And it was really constructive because it helped me frame future applications and also gave me a little peek into their, their mindset. That mindset remains elusive to candidates much of the time. 
So why, oh why, do we have to go through all this? Alison Hemming runs The Hired Guns, a recruiting firm in New York, where all her clients are digital companies. They're looking for more and more out of each individual person that they hire, and this is their way to manage the risk. I think some of it can be ridiculous and and too long. I think as a candidate... Before you go into a, a long interview process, you know, if, if you're working with a recruiter, you should ask in advance, how long is the interview process? What goes into the interview process? How can I prepare for this interview process? And either an internal recruiter or an external recruiter can help you figure that out. Additionally, along the way, and this is, this is also important, is typically if they're giving you a project or a proposal to work on, you know, they're hoping that you get it right and that they can hire you. I think sometimes candidates are thinking that companies want to rule them out, but they're hoping that you rule yourself in. She says do not view this as an adversarial process from the start. If you really want the job, throw yourself in. Just try to get as much information up front as you can, which, of course, is easier if you are using a recruiter or if you know someone at the company. But the other part of the process that I think is really challenging right now is so much of the hiring process is actually divorced from the hiring manager. She says at her firm, they work with the client and insist everyone gets on the same page about what they want from the candidate and what they want the job description to look like. But both Rachel and Kristen described meeting hiring managers who were busy with their day jobs and probably hadn't been trained in interviewing or in giving bad news. I asked Kristen about this. Have you thought about why they were so slapdash about getting back to you? I mean, do you think it's just we live in this accelerated age where everyone's so busy or why do you think? You know, I mean, I think like a generous overview would be, you know, they're very, they're extremely busy. You weren't the right fit. Time's a waste in, <laughs> you know, they've got, and I think too, like I, I try to look favorably on the organizations that I'm, what I was interviewing with are organizations that work with school districts that are in high poverty, high need areas. And so I would rather have them focus their time and energy and attention on kids and teachers that deserve a better education than they're getting. Um, So in that instance, I would say the generous view is they're very busy with what they're doing. And I think that what they're asked to do, everything's just more dynamic. As you said, everything's more accelerated. And so this almost feels like an add-on. It's like something else I have to do versus how can I attract and retain a talented pool of individuals that will care about the mission of our work and be able to hit the ground running. A perhaps less generous view is they're disorganized. You know, a lot of them are startups. They're, you know, the nonprofit world can be kind of complex. And so it could just be a level of disorganization in terms of, well, that just wasn't the person we wanted next, move on, you know, that kind of thing. There's two kinds of companies, right? And you have to decide which kind of company you're going to be working at. Alison Hemming again. The first company is the company that knows why they're doing the exercise, and they have a process in place designed to extract the right information from the candidate. And different people throughout the process are interviewing for different things. And collectively, they decide as a group 
through these various exercises or through a group interview or through, you know, a four-hour interview process with people asking different things that you're either great for the team or not. And when somebody has a solid process and you are told in advance what that process is, I think it's a fair fight. So then there's the other kinds of companies, the kinds of companies that have that are basically Goldilocks in candidates because they have not figured out what they need yet. And that is so many companies, right? The companies that basically steal their competitor's job description and live off of that because they haven't done the mental math for what their needs are. So instead, they send a candidate on a treasure hunt of multiple interviews By the way, you know if you're in that situation, if the hiring managers and the people that are interviewing you keep asking the exact same questions. It means nobody at the company has really thought about what they need. It's like you're doing your first round interview over and over and over again. It's Groundhog Day. Rachel Shalom says candidates would have an easier time if the department that was hiring communicated better with HR. Multiple times, she applied for a job only to find out the position had been filled, but the job posting was still online. A lot of hiring managers will blame their HR teams, like, oh, we let them know and we can't do anything about it. And I think it's time to stop blaming the relationship between the business unit and the HR unit and start really demanding that we have better relationships because how you hire is a huge part of your culture and it's a huge recruiting tool. So if you have a bad hiring process that doesn't speak well for your culture, if I'm talking to someone else who may want to work for you in the future. Rachel Shalom is now working at the Wall Street Journal. Kristen Shattuck was offered a full-time job at a company she had been working at part-time. She said yes. Thanks to them and Alison Hemming for being my guests on this show. And I would love to hear from you because many of you hire as part of your job. So what I want to know is this. Does this way of hiring with multiple levels of screening, does it work? Does it get you better candidates than you would have got five or ten years ago? Are they exceptionally good? Do they stick around longer? Let me know on Facebook or post a comment under this episode at thebroadexperience.com or email me. That's The Broad Experience for this time. This is a Milne-type production. Unlike those other podcasts you hear where they reel off a bunch of names at the end, this show is reported, edited and produced solely by me. You can support this one-woman show via the support tab at thebroadexperience.com. If you can afford to kick in $50, you will receive a Broad Experience t-shirt. Pictures on the website. And for those of you who have asked, I am looking into doing a Patreon page as well. I'll keep you posted about that. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.